<laughs> All right, welcome back to our Sunday School Indian Creek Baptist Church. Uh, we are in the book of Judges this morning. We are in the new building, praise the Lord. Amen. Lots of little bugs to work out, but God is good, and it's going to be a blessing, I'm sure. Uh, Judges chapter 9 is where we're going to be. Um, last week we saw uh, Jotham stand up, the, the last remaining son of Gideon. Uh, Jotham stood up and proclaimed a prophecy against Israel and against Abimelech, um, reminding them or, or explaining to them that if they uh, had truly felt like they had done justly, before, uh, to the house of Gideon that uh, they would be fine but if they had not that fire would come from Abimelech and destroy Israel and fire would come from Israel and destroy Abimelech so today we're going to see how that prophecy is fulfilled and we're going to pick up in Judges chapter 9 and verse number 22 the Bible says when Abimelech had reigned three years over Israel then God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the men of Shechem and the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech, that the cruelty done to the threescore and ten sons of Jerubbabel might come, and their blood be laid upon Abimelech their brother, which slew them, and upon the men of Shechem, which aided him in the killing of his brethren. And the men of Shechem set liars in wait for him in the top of the mountains, and they robbed all that came along that way by them. And it was told Abimelech, and Gael, the son of Ebed, excuse me, came with his brethren and went over to Shechem, and the men of Shechem put their confidence in him, and they went out into the fields and gathered their vineyards and trod the grapes and made merry and went into the house of their god and did eat and drink and cursed Abimelech. And Gael, the son of Ebed, said, Who is Abimelech and who is Shechem, that we should serve him? Is not he the son of Jerubbabel and Zebul, his officer? Serve the men of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for why should we serve him? And would to God this people were under my hand, then would I remove Abimelech. And he said to Abimelech, Increase thine army and come out. Verse number 30 is where we're going to stop. And the Zebel, the ruler of the city, heard the words of Gael, the son of Ebed. His anger was kindled, and he sent messengers unto Abimelech privily, saying, Behold, Gael, the son of Ebed, and his brethren be come to Shechem, and behold, they fortify the city against thee. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you again for this glorious day. Lord, we thank you for the beautiful building. And I just pray, Lord, that you would use it to your honor and glory. Lord, I pray that we would soon see it full, just like we did the house, that we would uh, have to find other arrangements. But God, I just pray that you would guide and direct. I pray that you'd give us wisdom today, that you would help us to hear and understand your truth. And do it. Make it a part of our lives. Help it to change us and mold us and shape us. Help us to walk with you. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now the first thing that we see as we uh, begin dealing with this part of the book of Judges is we see that there was a delay in judgment. In verse number 22 it says, When Abimelech had reigned three years over Israel. We need to understand that a lot can happen in three years and. I mean, we know our, our lives have changed drastically in the last three years. But just because God does not judge sin immediately does not mean that he's okay with it. 
I just now noticed. Are you okay, Malachi? Okay, good. Um, it does not mean that God is okay with it. But we have to wonder, why is it taking so long for anything to come of the sin of Abimelech? Why has it taken three years? And the answer is simple. God has given Abimelech and Israel the space of three years to repent and turn back to him on their own. Uh, without uh, correction, without punishment, just hoping that they would return. And we see this in uh, as an example for us in uh, the Gospels where Christ is talking about the parable of the, the um, prodigal son. As the, the son left and, and took his inheritance early and left and spent it all and finally came to his senses and returned and the father welcomed him back graciously. Uh, the, the father didn't go and drag him back. The father gave him his space to come to the understanding himself so that he could truly learn his lesson. The little ones. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm getting a glare. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> on the other hand, when uh, oftentimes when we are able to come to that decision ourselves, when we are able to know and understand, it really actually takes root in our heart and it changes us. And that's why God has given us this space right now as uh, we are in that that week, uh, the end of the prophecy of Daniel. We're in that time of grace where God is giving Israel space, but he's also reaching out to the Gentiles and allowing them to come to him. Sometimes God does have to punish. He understands that we are not... Uh, sorry. He understands that we, at times, just will not learn, and we have to be punished. Sometimes learning has to be accompanied by pain, but he is hoping that Israel will turn back to him and on their own. And God is long-suffering. But the problem is that Abimelech misunderstood God's long-suffering, and the men of Israel misunderstood God's long-suffering as acceptance, that it was okay. And he dug himself deeper and deeper. Oftentimes, when we sin, our relationship with God is strained. He's still our Father, our Heavenly Father, but we're not walking as closely with Him as we should be. Instead, we're avoiding him because of shame and guilt. And after a while of this, when we uh, haven't been smitten with a bolt of lightning from on high, our guilt and shame dissipates and we begin to, to think that God accepts whatever sin we have committed. That's where we are as a country right now. Uh, we've allowed many things to uh, creep into our lives over the last 50, 60, 100 years. And we have... God has allowed it because God is long-suffering and God is gracious and merciful. But we are about to come to a reckoning with God in our country. But so many Christians today are exactly like Abimelech, exactly like he is right now. They are going about their business as if nothing has happened and don't know that they are about to enter a major storm. This is also why many times it's hard for us to understand what the sin is that the storm might be punishing us for. Now, we understand that not all storms are punishment. Many are just for growth. Uh, many are even for other people to know and understand what is going on. But, 
But those that are for punishment, oftentimes it's hard for us to understand and comprehend what that sin is, what that thing is we need to get rid of in our lives because we've been allowed to partake in it for so long that we feel like God has just accepted it because that's who we are. That, that's the, that's the, the buzzword, that's how I was born. That's just how I am. Well, that's just an excuse. That's not how you should be. Just because that's how you are doesn't mean that's how you should be. The next thing we understand in verse number 23 is that God sent an evil spirit. And yes, it was sent from God. Three years into the reign of Abimelech, God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the men of Shechem. But why would God send an evil spirit? We need to understand that all that God does is just and righteous and holy. God cannot do evil. He never does anything that is unfair or overreacting. He is the picture of getting angry and sinning not. We must also understand that there are at least 10 that we are at least 10 times worse than we think we are. James 2:10. I've brought this verse out a few times uh, in this group, but James 2:10. says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. If we just focus on the basic Ten Commandments, the, the ones that we're studying through right now as our memory verses for, for the year, if we just focus on those, we understand that if we've broken one, if we've told one lie, we're guilty of all Ten Commandments. If we've stole one pen, we're guilty of all Ten Commandments. So we're at least ten times worse than we are, but we also need to understand that those ten commandments are not the only commandments that God gave us. Matthew uh, 28, verses 19 and 20, the Great Commission. That is a commandment from God. If we're not fulfilling that commandment, we are sinning against God, which makes us guilty of all the commandments. Even as Christians. Now we've been forgiven for those things, praise the Lord, Christ went to the cross and died for us, but to pay for our sins, and He's forever forgiven us for all the sins that we've done, those that we are doing, and those that we will ever do. But it still breaks that fellowship with God. It keeps us, as He is our Heavenly Father, it keeps us separated from Him because we're not willing to do what He commands us to do. Many people, as we go out and witness and, and, and talk to people, they'll ask, how can a loving and just God send people to a place like hell? Well, first of all, God doesn't send people to hell. They send themselves there. God, in His grace and mercy, gave them every opportunity to avoid hell, including sending His only begotten Son to the cross to die to pay for our sins. We, we also need to understand that we really, what we deserve, even as saved, born-again believers, as children of God, what we deserve in our flesh is hell we don't deserve just a slap on a on the wrist anything less than an eternal damnation in hell is mercy and grace for us we also need to know that god didn't create evil evil has always existed if there's good, there's evil. If there's light, there's dark. 
it's always existed. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heaven. I almost went to John. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon, upon the face of the waters. Darkness in the Bible is, is synonymous with evil. Darkness was all around, even around God. But God, who is just and holy, created simply just created the vessels that would carry good and evil. He created the sun and the stars. He created the earth. He created everything that's in us. He created the angels. He created us. He created the animals. Anything that could possibly be good or evil, He created. We have chosen which side we're going to be on. God allows things in our lives to teach us and to grow us. When Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they released the evil that was already present into this world. God allowed that. He allowed it to mold us like the, the clay on the potter's wheel into a vessel, some to honor, some to dishonor. 2 Timothy 2.20 2 Timothy 2 and verse number 20. says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. In a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but some of wood and of earth. The Bible tells us that our works the things that we do for Christ after salvation will be judged, whether they be gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble. There exists in us each of those things always. In every great house, there exists vessels that are more precious, that are gold, that are silver, and vessels that are less precious, that are wood, that are earth. But they have to exist together. Vessels of honor and dishonor, they have to exist together. But we need to know that when God, when the Bible tells us here in Judges chapter 9 and verse number 23 that God sent an evil spirit, he didn't physically send a spirit. What we would know as a fallen angel, he sent an attitude or allowed an attitude to come of evil to come between Abimelech and Shechem. That attitude that was already in us. He just allowed it to be manifested. The evil was already in the hearts of men. He's just giving it a direction. And finally, we're going to see that the cruelty is going to be punished. Unfortunately, Abimelech and Israel didn't use the three-year grace period that God had given them to repent of their sin of killing Gideon's sons. But this is where we see the great difference between God and man. The sons of Gideon had done nothing wrong. They had not even began to rule or to make decisions for Israel. They were not given the opportunity to show their true character, but they were murdered. God has given us ample time. God has given Abimelech and Shechem ample time to show their true colors, and they have.
And in this punishment, we're going to see a fire is going to begin to build. In my previous life as a, a fireman, as a volunteer, and as a career fireman, as an instructor, we understand, or I understood, that there are three things that are required in order to have a fire. You need fuel, you need air, and you need heat. If you remove any one of those three things, fire cannot burn. As we continue through these next verses, we're going to see a fire begin to build. The first step in building a fire is we have to gather fuel. If you don't have anything to burn, the best torch in the world won't do any good. In this case, the fuel is discontentment. The men of Shechem began to grow discontent with how Abimelech was, was ruling. They set liars in wait for Abimelech, who robbed everyone that passed by. This happens oftentimes in our lives and in our own churches. We begin to grow discontent with where we are in our lives, with what's going on. Maybe we, we are having a rough patch with our spouse. Or the pre preacher made a comment that we didn't agree with. Maybe an error or sin in our lives was corrected. But in any case, these all leave wounds. Brother Jesse's got a blood blister. Malachi, I think, had a bloody nose. We've all got wounds today. If those wounds aren't properly cared for, they get worse. They get infected. They cause great pain and loss, sometimes loss of limbs or even our lives. Spiritually, or spiritual wounds like physical wounds need to be cared for. They need to have ointment put on them and be covered to keep the infection out. For spiritual wounds, that ointment is forgiveness and the band-aid is respect and understanding. Or you can avoid spiritual wounds altogether by focusing on God and not man and by taking correction and perceived injustice with the right attitude. I've said it from here before, but if your toes are getting stepped on, maybe you need to move your feet. If these things aren't applied speedily, the infection of bitterness can cause, can set in and suddenly you have more than enough dry tinder for a forest fire. Then you have to have air. The second step is having the right air and fuel mixture for combustion. Brother Jesse is a mechanic, loves to play with carburetors. He's rolling his eyes. The, the thing about carburetors was if you would set a carburetor and, and tune it so it ran really well here in Iowa, it wouldn't necessarily run really well in the mountains where the air is thinner or there's less oxygen. You'd have to readjust in order to get that mixture just right to get the maximum horsepower that you could to be able to operate the vehicle the way it needed to be operated. In our example here of the men of Shechem and Abimelech and in our own lives, that air mixtures our proximity to other people. You see, if we're not near other people, there's no strife. My dad and I, uh, as I was growing up, we tended to not get along very well when I was a teenager and, and even beyond. Now, we get along great. Because he lives in South Dakota, about eight and a half hours away, and I live here. Now, that's not a great thing. That's not something that I'm bragging about. That is something that God is convicting me about because that relationship shouldn't be like that. That is something that I'm working very hard 
to correct, but because it's gone on for almost 30 years that way, that infection is set in and it's going to be really hard to remove. It's going to require some surgery and some miracles. I've stacked up a lot of fuel over my life by not taking the correction that he was giving me with the right attitude. But the example stands. People who are constantly with each other are far more, far more likely to have friction and bitterness towards each other without a lot of help from the Lord. We can't live this life. We can't become Indian Creek Baptist Church and serve this community without help from the Lord. If we locked ourselves in this room for the next 24 hours, I guarantee there would be some friction. Y'all would get tired of listening to Josiah talk on and on and on and on. We would struggle with only having one restroom. The only way that we could come out of that and still be friends, still be close, still become the body of Christ that needs to work and serve in this community is with God's help in giving us the right attitude and helping us in having that right attitude. But the men of Shechem, they sent out men to lie in wait, to rob and steal, to wait for Abimelech. They're just adding air to the mix. The signs are all here. An explosion is imminent. The only thing that's left now is the spark to ignite the fire. That's where the spark of confrontation comes in. When the fuel and air mix are right, all it, just, all it takes is one little spark and you have a fire. In this case, the spark is going to come from the wagging tongue of a drunken, prideful man. In the same sense, though, in order for the ointment to be put on the wound, there has to be a confrontation. Forgiveness has to be sought and given. It's when this confrontation is handled incorrectly that sparks fly. In verse number 26, we are introduced to Gael, the son of Ebed, who came with his brethren and went over to Shechem. And the men of Shechem put their confidence in him. The Bible says they went out into the fields and gathered their vineyards and trod all the grapes and made merry and went into the house of their God and did eat and drink and cursed Abimelech. Now notice in verse number 27 that they went into the house of their God and the word God is not capitalized. They went into the house of Baal Beareth. The very same house where they took the 70 talents of silver and paid it to Abimelech as he went and killed his brothers. That he went and hired the vain and light persons to follow him. And Gael, the son of Ebed, goes and he begins to, to curse Abimelech. And he talks bad about him. And he runs him down. And he says how he would be so much better at ruling and leading
And then in verse number 30 and 31, word is sent to Abimelech, and the fight is on. All of this because a tongue could not be controlled. As Gail is speaking in verse number 29, he says, And would to God this people were under my hand. Notice there that as he's in the house of a false god, he's speaking of the Lord God. That G is capitalized. Would to God that this people were under my hand. And they send to Abimelech and say, they're fortifying the city. They're going to rise up against you. All because of the tongue. I did a quick word search uh, last night. The tongue is mentioned 165 times in the Bible. It's mentioned 19 times in the book of Proverbs alone. The book of Proverbs is the book of wisdom. We understand not all times that the tongue is mentioned is is it evil. The tongue can be used to edify. Proverbs 15.4 Proverbs 15.4 A wholesome tongue is a tree of life but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. It can be used to edify, and it can also be used to destroy. It is the hardest part of us to tame. Proverbs eighteen twenty one. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Proverbs twenty one twenty three. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. How about James 3? The New Testament. James 3, verses 5 through 8. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of a nature. Sorry, the course of nature. And it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison." How important is, a, is it for us to guard our tongue? James 1.19 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Remember that if we take away any one of the three ingredients, we don't have fire. If we remove the discontentment by seeking God and being content with Him, by forgiving and perce- uh, any perceived wrong and by taking correction with the right attitude, we don't have a fire. Now we can't remove the air or we would die. 
we have to be around people. We are called to be a witness, and we have to deal with people daily. And believe me, I'd like nothing more than to be out in the middle of nowhere and only see someone other than my wife twice a year. It'd be awesome. But that's not how we're called to live as Christians. But we can remove the spark by allowing God to control our tongues. We must filter each response through Him so all the impurities can be removed. We're going to see next week a great battle, a civil war in the book of Judges. Israel's not going to go fight the Midianites. He's not going to go fight the Amalekites or the Philistines. Or Israel's going to fight himself. And no one's going to come out of that in a good way. All because sin wasn't handled properly and tongues were allowed to wag. Let's not be that way here. Let's not live in constant discontentment because we don't have to.